Hey, TribCast listeners, I want to share a new podcast that we're excited about. We call it Point of Order. Each week, Tribune CEO Evan Smith takes you inside the Texas legislature for frank one-on-one discussions with elected officials and other key members of the Capitol community. In this episode, Evan talks to Dan Huberty, the chairman of the House Public Education Committee, about what it will take and what it will cost for state lawmakers to solve the state's most intractable problem, school finance. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Point of Order with Evan Smith on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy. I'm Evan Smith of the Texas Tribune, and this is Point of Order, a podcast about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the people and the politics and the topics and the traditions of the 86th Texas Legislature. This week, fixing school finance, what it will take and what it will cost. Everyone else is talking about it. Why shouldn't we? And no wonder. It's the largest share of the state budget every biennium, and it's the most important aspect of the most important policy area state lawmakers grapple with over the 140 days of a session. The new House Speaker, Dennis Bonin, has put it at the top of his agenda for the 86th, and the governor and lieutenant governor have each done the same. This is partly an exercise in playing offense. The brightest possible future of Texas depends on a public education system that produces thoughtful citizens, a vibrant workforce, and ample opportunities for all, and partly about playing defense. Voters last November strongly suggested that this better be the session when real progress is made on school finance or there will be hell to pay in 2020. During the interim, a school finance commission convened to study the problem and unanimously approved a set of recommendations heading into session. And one of the members of that commission is my guest this week. Dan Huberty, a Houston Republican, chaired the House Public Education Committee last time around and is the odds-on favorite to return in that role this time. He knows the substance and the politics of school finance as well as anyone. We talked on the afternoon of January 9th, 2019, day two of the 86th session, as the hard work on this thorny issue was just beginning. Point of Order is supported by Educate Texas, stimulating creative solutions to key educational challenges throughout the state. Learn more at edtx.org. And by the Texas Education Grantmakers Advocacy Consortium. Our members work to protect, promote, and improve public education in Texas for all students. Connect with us at tgac.org. And by Raise Your Hand Texas. Raise Your Hand Texas identifies breakthrough ideas to improve education, pilots them in our public schools, and supports the conditions and public policies, allowing them to scale to benefit all Texas students. More at RaiseYourHandTexas.org. Why is this so hard? (laughs) Existentially, we can do so many things in the world. We put a man on the moon. I can pause live television, right, in my house. You fix all kinds of big problems that cost billions and billions of dollars. This is the one thing over the years that you've not been able to fix. Yeah, and, you know, this is my fifth session, and uh, we've, we've tried to fix it. Um, the past four times, and there was people before me that tried to fix it. And many, many years before you got to the legislature, yeah. this was and, a, and so tried and failed. I, I think, you know, and as, as much of a, a 
initially I was a skeptic about the School Finance Commission, which I served on. Uh, I think we ended up in a great place. And um, I think that the realities of, of, of the situations are is that you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a, a different result, which is what we're getting. And we're not right. getting the results that I think all of us want for our kids. Do you doubt that people who came before you in this role or other members of the legislature did not want to fix this? They all had the same desire to fix it yeah. that you do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think about Chairman Aycock before me and 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 Chairman Eisler and, you know, before before him, you know, it was Kent Grusendorf, you know, right. keep going back. And, and yeah, I, I, every single one of them have, have, have tried. And I know Chairman Aycock, uh, I think the big here's here's really what 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 it came down to, and he he taught me a lot of good lessons. But you have to have um, the ability to educate your colleagues, uh, but at the same time you have to get everybody kind of rowing together. And what I mean by that is the school districts themselves. Yeah, uh, they become the biggest obstacles because you know if you look at what we're going to do, um, it's a it's a, you got to you got to envision the whole plan. You got to look at everything, not just little pieces. And and so when we and everybody only cares about their piece. That's right. Thinks about that's their exactly piece. right. Human and, nature. That's right. And and so what that's the, some of the things that I shared with them is that you know look, you, you can't just think about one thing. You got to think about the entirety of the plan, and yep. that's the only way it's going to work. When you talk about the local people being a part of this conversation and that they can be an obstacle, do you mean the professional class, the educators, or do you mean the volunteer class, the school board members? You were a school board member for yeah. many years. You ran your school board. Yep. Yep. You know what it's like to be on that side of the conversation. Sure. sure. I think it's I think it's I think it's both. I think it's the uh, the associations that represent various size schools, as an example. Right. Um, you know, I recognize that suburban districts have different needs from urbans that are different from rules, right. uh, different from poor districts than wealthier districts. I mean, they all have different needs uh, and wants. And so, one of the things that we tried to do last session, we did pass some. We tried to pass a reform last session, right. Um, but we brought everybody into the room and had conversations with them. And so what, what we did this time for the last year that we've been working on, we brought people into the room um, and let them be a part of the conversation. And so that's how a lot of the ideas uh, were crafted. They love participating on the front end. The question is whether they love the byproduct of that work on the back end. Right. And the problem is all that kumbaya, everybody together in a room, we're all rowing in the same direction to pick your, right. your preferred phrase, is all good until the point at which you make a decision and there are winners and losers. Right. Well, it's it's always funny the day that uh, we call them the, the our runs as the school runs. Right. Um, Where they sh they produce these spreadsheets right. that show here's right. how every district is affected by every. That's right. exactly right. And right. so what happens that day is every you know you know who's going to be with you or against you. Right. Uh, based upon what happens in their school district. Right. Yeah. And and so one of the things that we we made sure of that we did this time is that we we looked at. We knew we we had some ideas of money that we were talking about putting in and the changes and things of that nature. But all the different groups, education consulting groups that are out there, try to come up with, you know, their own interpretation of the runs of what the of what they would look like. Right. And so I started getting calls from school districts, and I and I and I, pre, I listened, and then we we stopped. And I know Chairman Taylor had the same kind of things, and we said you can't just look at the one piece. Yep. You got to look at all these different things together, and it all—it's all going to be a function of, of the, the 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 revenue and the the money that gets into the into the into the program. So that's, right. that's going to be critical. You mentioned the school finance commission. You mentioned, which I also know to be true, that you were not 100 percent for this idea. Yeah. What had preceded it was you had worked very hard on legislation over the course of the session, got down to the three yard line, say, right. couldn't get the ball across the goal. Right. Come back in special session. We're going to try to take this up again. Can't really get it any further right. close to the goal than you did the last time. 
and there's a decision instead to kick this to a commission. And people like me in the press, people who've been watching it for a long time go, why do you have to study this? Right. You've been studying it. All you've done is studied it. Right. Just fix it. So you went in a skeptic. And the process that you went through had you traveling around the state during the interim, meeting with various people. Mm-hmm. But it was a positive experience. Yes, I think so. Yeah. And I think, I think that the, it, was, it was very interesting. And I told this to Chairman Brister, who chaired the, the, the commission, um, you know, I said the first few meetings were kind of, you know, public ed 101. And, you know, right. you kind of, you know, for those of us who have been around a long time, you're like, oh, gosh, we got to sit through this. But it, but it ultimately became very beneficial. Um, and there was a lot of ideas and concepts. And, and the one thing of it is, is that, that he, um, as the chairman and the way it was run, uh, was, was very inclusive to everybody to let them have a, a, a seat at the table and have a say. Right. Now, that doesn't mean we did exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, but, you had appointees on this commission from the speaker's office, from yeah. the governor's office, from the lieutenant governor's office. So you had people of different ideological perspective, people who came at this from yep. different sides of the education conversation, but you were able to work yep. happily, productively side by side. Yeah, and, and that was the best part of it. You know, and I was I was involved and I chaired the expenditures group. We had three different work groups, expenditures, revenues, right. um, and outcomes. And, and, and so I had the opportunity to have uh, work with um, – uh, uh, one of the uh, State Board of Education members, Kevin uh, Ellis, and then uh, obviously Larry Taylor, Scott Brister, and Royce West. And so that was great because, you know, Royce has perspectives that we don't have. He represents, as a senator, he represents a different, uh, you know, different demographics than what I represent. Right. And, and so it, it, was, it was really good f- from my perspective to get input from everybody along the way of what we think we should do. And, and you especially had, yeah, people yeah. that have been around a long time. You had insiders and outsiders. Yeah. You had Democrats and Republicans. You had House and Senate. And the yep. fault line last session was as much House and Senate yes. as it was anything. But you and Larry Taylor in particular, as I understand it, have found something close to common purpose here. Yes. To the point that you were able to work well together and could imagine yourselves working together well and better this next time. I, I think that's that's ac- absolutely accurate. And, yeah. And... Um, you know, Larry. Larry is a, has been a, a a great partner in this, and you yeah. know, we 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 joke. We you know we've seen each other so much. You know, we're kind of getting sick of each other. You know, but right. uh, uh, but but we're really not because right. we've spent so much time trying to figure out what the best way to to solve this problem so that we can get it done. I mean, yeah. that's really what the issue is. Is let, let's not have the fight. You know, right. let's figure out. You know, and look, we'll, we may disagree on a couple things, and and so that that'll be part of the process. As so well. we're we're sitting here in early January. It was right before Christmas, December the nineteenth, I believe, that you all unanimously voted to approve this report. There were more than thirty recommendations in the report. There are things like investing in dual language programs and improving reading levels, teacher evaluation metrics, pay for performance. Yep. You all agreed on that stuff. Yep. Uh, it's not necessarily stuff that no one can disagree with, but generally speaking, who's opposed to making these different aspects of education better if you can figure out how to do it and how to pay for it, right? Yeah, I think I, one of the – here's where we, we saw some pushback. So it's the, the process of the teacher incentive pay. Right. Um, you know, we talked a lot about what they call the ACE program in Dallas, but, you know, we said, well, we're not going to just adopt one plan. We're just not going to say, oh – Dallas, you did such a great job. We're going to take this one plan. What we said was, you have to you have to get it a bottom up driven process, and, and and this is important where the teachers are involved in the process of the evaluations and the incentives. But we got to get money into the classrooms where they belong the most. Right. I think there'll be. I think on, whether it's on uh, our uh, on the Republican side or the Democrat side, um, you know, uh, you know, I've heard feedback. Oh, just you know, don't, they don't need more money. The system doesn't need more money. It doesn't need this. It doesn't need that. 
but we're looking at it from our perspective that says we're re redistributing the resources we have, but more importantly, um, we're, we're going to expect better results. Right. And we're this is outcomes-based funding, for lack of a better phrase, exactly right? Exactly right. right. And we're willing to pay for it. Yeah. You know, we get better results. You're willing to. So, pay. so let's talk about the willing to pay for it part. I want to go back to this to the special session where there was a proposal floated as one of the governor's list of mm -hmm. items on the called special. We're going to increase teacher pay. I've heard mm -hmm. the lieutenant governor talk about increasing teacher pay mm -hmm. as one of the things he thinks is most important. This session. As a matter of fact, the state can't increase teacher pay. That's right. Teacher pay is only increased by districts. Right. So if you mandate a pay increase and you don't increase the amount of money going to those districts, it's an unfunded mandate, That's is right. it not? So how are you going to avoid – you don't know for certain that you're going to put more money into public ed. You think you are. Mm -hmm. You've got a list of recommendations that I think total something like $1,700,000 if you did everything end-to-end, -end, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. in this report. But we don't know for a fact that you all are going to increase – Public education funding. Well, uh, you know. So how do you increase teacher pay if you right, don't increase right. public education? You know, so, so as you just mentioned, you know, second day, third day in, uh, you know, obviously we're talking to appropriators and figuring out what resources are going to be. But you're right, you know. And we don't know what that number is going to – we don't know what the final number is going to be. And we don't know – Right. None of those things. Until you get to the floor and you know that's when it all happens. We have some ideas of, of, of how much resources that we're, that we're talking about. And it's, it's significant. Right. Part of it is it's got to go hand in hand, hand with the ta tax reforms and tax relief and everything right. else. That, that, those are going to be important things that go with there. But specifically on teacher pay, the last time the legislature mandated teacher pay was 2009. And that was when they had the Fed money that came in. And I was on the school board at that time. And I remember them basically saying, you got to give everybody a thousand bucks. And then what did we do in 2011? We cut funding in education by five billion. Right. So not only did we not fund the manda mandatory pay, pay raise, we went we the did, other direction. We went the other direction. Right. And so it created a lot of problems that, that's associated with that. And I think what the governor has said and what the lieutenant governor has said, um, and we did not pass that proposal uh, in the uh, special, special session. Right. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, because I just think you can't just completely shake that whole system up in, in a 10-day period of time. I, I just I, you have to go through the process of, of getting there. We're talking about incentive pay or increasing pay for you know putting teachers in Title I campuses or districts where it's hard, or in specialty programs for special ed teachers and things yep. of that nature. That's that's what we're trying. And oh, by the way, if you're a you know ten-year teacher, uh, you know, taught for ten years, and you would go and get your master's degree, or go get your PhD, or something along those lines. The only way to make ninety to one hundred thousand dollars is you go to administration. Well, we're saying, well, there's a lot of good teachers don't want to do that. Stay in teaching. Stay in teaching. And you think the school districts and the teachers and everybody else who would have a, a point of view about this are all on board with that idea? Well, I think there's, I think there's some, I think there are, I think there's certainly school districts and school boards that I've talked to um, that are worried about you know, what they had in the, back in the 80s, which was the career ladder, right? It was same, same type of a pro prospect, and then you just didn't fund it, right? And, and so we're, we're not doing that. We've got it in the base, you know, in the base bill, so to speak, of how that would, how that would get there. But again, we want them to be involved in right. the design of the program. We're not going to top-down drive yeah. this thing. We're going to, you know, bottom-up drive it. There was a, a, a point of controversy toward the end over the question of putting a number in the report. Yes. Right. Yes. You, uh, there, there was a dollar figure in an earlier version that I think it was 1.73 billion in new funding that was necessary to mm -hmm. enable all the things in the recommendations. Right. And by the end, you all took the number out as a point of compromise. Right. There was also a, 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 another point of compromise in that there was language that blamed the state for yeah. uh, for failing schools. Yeah. 
And that also came out as a point of compromise. And you said at the time, I think we have failed our schools and we haven't funded them, in my view, adequately or equitably. You're on the record. You're transparent yep. about it. Absolutely. But the report does not uh, point a finger because yeah. it was thought that, well, this will offend the very people we're trying to bring in yeah. to this conversation. Yeah. Why not just be honest about it? Well, I think I think there was a couple things. You know, Chairman Brister, um, as the chairman, obviously was very collaborative with us. Um, but but you know, he's a former Supreme Court justice, and you know, he looks at things from a, a law perspective, where I th look at things from a, a different perspective. You yeah. know, I think about what we should be doing, and I think you should be honest and open about it and talk about it. Um, and I think he had some he had some legitimate concerns about some of those stuff. Now he thought you were opening yourselves up to he, a potential he lawsuit. He, he was concerned about that, yeah. and 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 so you know, and 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 there was a you know a couple other lawyers that were on there, and you know, and and that that visited with us and talked to us, and and so I, I got that. But if you look at the back of the report, it, it is very prescriptive on what we should be spending on these. So, so it wasn't in the executive summary necessarily. But you call out almost like an yeah. a la carte menu what right. you need to do. And somebody right. who does simple math can come up with the number. Absolutely. So you feel like you accomplished the goal I, I do. I through, think we, through another door. I think so. And I think that ultimately, um, you know, the messaging that people need to understand is that, that again, and, I, and we've been very clear on this, is that you can't just look like at one component. Like, for example, we got rid of cost of education index. Right. We said, hey, if we're not going to study, if LBB is not going to study it, we're not going to figure out what it really costs. It's a meaningless number. You know, let's, you know, put that in, in, a, in a different place. Um, and so, so I think, and we're not taking the money away. We're just using it differently. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that if we can do the, the, the entirety of what we're recommending, and, and, I, and I promise you this, there's, there's, you know, this isn't just the only ideas that are out here. This legislative right. session. I mean, people got you know, tons of bills that had filed on certain little pet projects and things of that nature. But I, I've learned over the years that the the best way to get this thing done is to get you know both of us to kind of agree where we're going to land. You yeah, know, and 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 get as close as possible. So, so if the report does not specify a number in so many words, mm -hmm. that you should do it for me right now. If 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 you yeah. ran the world, King Huberty, <laughs> you wave your scepter over this place. What is the right number. Well, how I mean, you know what Speaker Strauss said on the way out the door. Sure. Yeah. It's sort of like an unexploded bomb. He said, yeah. oh, I think you should put in five billion. Sure. I think you have five billion dollars. Sure. Is that a good number? Well, look, I I the answer is I I I'm not I want to steal the thunder from the the appropriators. Um, there is a number that there's been battered around that that is significant. Very significant. When you say it's been battered, let me stop you there. What does that mean it's been battered around? Um, they're talking about putting a, 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 a number in what we would be see as the base bill of where of where that would be. I don't think they've come to a landing. Is it an over uh, and above number? Uh, it's a significant number. Is it a number above enrollment growth? So yes. is it is it a, yes. it's, it's a positive number? It's a positive number. Absolutely. Is it larger? You yeah. You can't do the stuff that we want to do without right those additional resources. And the, and and my view of it was this. And and oh by the way, you can't do the property tax reform that you want. So I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. The property growth uh, that uh, when TEA submitted their their LAR, um, they assumed two things: six point nine percent growth on property taxes and three point five billion dollars of what we would consult property growth or valuation growth coming back to us from the school districts. Right. Okay. And so we look at that and say, well, we want to achieve not only school finance reform but property tax reform and property tax relief. Well, you can't take the three and a half billion dollars and go spend it on something else. You got to give it back to the taxpayers. And that's one mechanism to do that. You know, we, we've got recapture that's growing. We've got a lot of issues that are significant um, resources. You know, we're going to spend about two point, we're going to collect about $2.6 billion this year 
on recapture districts, there's 219 of those districts. And by 2023, if we don't do anything, that's going to increase to $5 billion. Right. So you got to offset those, those resources. So do you start with an end goal and work backwards and essentially reconstruct or re-engineer the system so that the balance is a better balance? Yes, that's what we – that's what, ultimately the goal is. Yeah. Right now, if we don't do anything, we'll be funding – the state will be funding 33% of the cost of, 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 of education, which is about $60 billion. And it was 45% in 2006. Yes, sir. That's, yes, sir. Right. Yep. So where should it be? Well, that's the question. You know, where would you like it to be? Well, let's, let's do fan fiction for the moment. Stop, fantasy land. We want to stop the slide, and you know, we we need to be you know pushing it to get back to the you know high thirties or forty percent or you know things of that nature, right? Yeah. So those are those are things that have to happen. the The answer is this: um, if you get a fifty percent, the cost of fifty percent is thirty billion dollars. It's pretty simple math. If you're spending 50 percent is thirty billion dollars. Right. Well, we remind people of this. The, the people that are paying the taxes, whether you're paying property tax, they're, they're us. These are the people that are paying right. those taxes. This is a great Connie Burton line as yeah. Connie Burton exits the stage from the legislature. You know, people talk about property taxes and the state share of funding as if somehow we're not paying both of those. Right, that's right. That's all our money. That is, absolutely. Right? It's yeah. just the difference is, is that if you think about sales tax and consumption taxes and things of that nature, more people are sharing in the pain. And people that are coming through our state are, are, are paying for those things versus just putting right. the majority of the burden on the property tax owners and whether it's commercial properties or residential properties. And, and so I think that the, the, while I, you know, the number hasn't been uh, defined or agreed to, I, I can tell you that I know that it's, it's significant. And, and the new speakers... But it's not 50%. No, I, I don't. It's, it's, that's just, right. it's, it's, it's so expensive. Yeah, uh, to, but, it, but isn't there. it even more expensive than we think? Because you not only have to raise the state's contribution to public ed, but unless you're going to basically call this a wash, right. to reduce property taxes, increase the state's share... You've got to then, over and above that, do right. even more. you got to find some other mechanism. So it's not enough to simply go from 33 to 40 right. and to take that amount of money that you're adding to the state's right. ticket and reduce that amount right. of property taxes. You then have to go above yeah. that. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that was interesting is, you know, Paul Betancourt was the, the – Senator Betancourt was the one that ran the revenue side. And he actually, you know, came up with a variety of different ideas and concepts. Uh, and we put other ideas in the report. Yeah. Um, but but the one he talked about the you know what we'd call the economic stabilization fund. Well, you know we're completely you know it's 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 at a point where there's different things that we can do, you know. And I'll give you another example. Like the GLO, um, they're statutory limited to only give us six hundred million dollars a year. Um, you know they're performing very well. You could bu- you could bust the cap. You could you could bump. Well, no, you'd have to statutorily change it so that yeah, they have the ability. Yes, they have the ability to, to give you more. Give me more. You know, right. to give us more money so they could right. you know say hey you know maybe if we're performing well they have the ability to do that. Right now they have the yeah. inability to do that. You know the governor has talked about just as recently as yesterday in an interview with our reporter Patrick Svitek, he floated the possibility of diverting oil and gas tax revenue mm-hmm. in, it's now flowing into the rainy day right. fund to create a sustainable. Yep. education fund. Is that a good idea? You know, that, that, that yeah, I think that... Pretty that volatile source of revenue. It, it is. And, and so the, the, the question really, when, when Senator Betancourt, this was one of his recommendations. So when that, he talked about the Ray Day Fund, he meant, could you possibly take money right. that's going into that and right. redirect it? Has it become a stable source of revenue? It is volatile because you think about the price of oil and, and whatnot. And representative, in the last couple of months, yeah. when the price of oil has gone right. back below $50, you wouldn't, you'd be yep. sweating it if you knew yep. that was coming. Yep. Right? And, and you have people like uh, Representative King, Ken King, who, who was on the panel, who's, you know, his, his you know, family made a living in the oil and gas business over the years, right. brought up other good points. He said, you know, if energy is going to be the source, 
then we need to talk about all forms of energy in the state of Texas as a source of revenue for education. Which is not the case. Currently, that's the money correct. that's going into the rainy day fund is oil and gas severance that's taxes. Right. It's not, yeah, it's not renewables. It's not, yeah, it's not the other things. Right. And so, and he made an excellent point to that degree because you could you could fix that you know volatility yeah. associated with that. But it, it has become theoretically a stream of revenue. Look, if we don't do it, and we know that we got Hurricane Harvey and some of these other things yeah. that you got to pay for that you know that'll be one time sources of money. But ultimately, you know, the comptroller is saying, look, if you just leave it, you're going to end up at 13 or 14 billion. He said 15.4 billion by the is? end of the biennium, and of course, he's been advocating for taking a certain sure. portion of that and investing it in right. the market because he thinks it's too much money. Right. Absolutely. Right. And 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 you know, changing the investment policies for these guys. You know, I mean, right. it's 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 insane. Do you think this legislature, which is a slightly more open to the idea of spending money legislature than the last one, just given mm-hmm. the way that the partisan split narrowed? Do you think this legislature is okay with the idea of using the rainy day fund for something that, let's be honest, is not really a one-time expense, right. which has been the right. tradition? Right. If you fund public education, it is something that you're committing right. to funding right. over time. But you know, I think it, it comes down to it comes down to the simple math problem of, you know, if you want property tax reform, if you want property tax relief, there's only certain levers that we can pull, and we got to figure out right. how to do that. And right now, you know, constitutionally, we you know we've took we've, we've taken some of these resources for transportation needs, as an example. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're fully you fully funded that. So there's there's and frankly, know. people after the fact have complained that what you've done is put handcuffs on yeah. yourselves at That's the right. beginning of every session. That's right. You've got to take that money and parcel that off. It's almost like you're losing. Yeah. Yeah, your your freedom. Yeah, and right. I think I think that's really the, the 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 gist of what we're trying to to get to is say, okay, what what streams of revenues are going to exist? Where's where the yeah. money at? And then you know, if, if the if 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 uh, uh, controller Hager you know had the ability to have more flexibility, obviously, I think you know, any in any market, you have to be careful and conservative in your with your investment policy. But basically, we're we got you know a, you know we're putting our money in a savings account with. You know, very little, very interest. low interest rate. Yeah, it makes no sense. You wouldn't do that in your own no, house. No, of course not. As as it actually happens, um, you mentioned recapture. Mm-hmm. Was this just a bad idea all along, and we didn't understand it, or was it a good idea that went bad? What happened? You, you know, you come from the Houston area. Mm-hmm. You know that the city of Houston has been in a fight with TEA over their recapture sure. payment. I live in Travis County, Austin, which yeah. you know says to Houston, "Hold my beer," basically, yeah, right, right? right? Relatively speaking, yeah, right. it's like three times the sure. or four times what Houston's paying. So where did this go wrong? What happened? You know, the, the, the problem is, is, you know, as we sit here in your studio and I look around, Austin today. Crane, 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 tower, it, tower, tower. It, right? it, it looks it. much different than it did right. 10 years ago, right. even 10 years ago. And so while I uh, empathize with Austin ISD and understand that their recapture payments are approaching $600 million, 10 years ago, these properties didn't exist. It's very expensive to live here too, and and so those are some of the other reasons why it's causing that. They've got enrollment growth that's going down. You got values going up. I mean, those are the those are the kind of things that's out right. there. But again, if if you you have to have you know property taxes to to fund these things, and because of all these big buildings that are down here, there are school districts that are out there that don't have that same. Yeah, but isn't uh, part ability. of the problem? I don't want to get all Andrew White running for governor on right. you, but isn't sure. part of the problem that the the commercial appraisals are not what they ought to be, that there's forgiveness for businesses on the on the property appraisal side. And if we simply ask people to pay what their appraisals ought to be as opposed to the breaks that people on the commercial side of things get, there's potentially another $5 billion to put into the system. Well, but, but, I realize it's a tax increase. Yeah, sure. I get that. Yeah. But if we're talking about property taxes funding, let's talk about it honestly. But it's but it's the reality is in most commercial properties, the tenants are paying uh, the 
the property taxes. You're paying it through your cam charge. I mean, and so so if so you, you don't get, think there's money to be to no, be gotten I, because from that. because it's because you're basically that you're just creating another tax on the business. And I look, I, I you know dealing in the commercial real estate world, this I understand. is your world. Yeah, I yeah. get it. I understand what right. the what the concerns are, what people have. But I assure you, the appraisal districts have have been pretty consistent. I know Harris County. Um, you know, look, you know, you can't chase a sale here in Texas, but they do a pretty darn good job of figuring out, you know, what the value of the property is. Yeah. Uh, and make it equitable for everybody along the ways. And, right. and so, so you know, I, I, I think that I know people want to want to do that, and I've, I've had to explain this to people over and over and over again. I said, you know, if it's you, not the easy fix. It's, they it's think not. It's. No, it's not. And it's 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 just it gets it gets to the point where you sit there and say, you could, you know, from a developer's perspective or anybody else's perspective. You know, these guys are passing those costs on to you, the tenant, and yeah. and so you all of a sudden it becomes un, untenable to, right. to be able to pay rent here. And no favorable election cycle to Democrats is favorable enough to yeah. get a serious conversation right. about tax increases right. in this legislature, right. not at a time when the economy is growing. Yeah, no, and and I think that if you look at what we've done, and we 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 had cuts that we've made over the last several legislative sessions, right. you know, billions of dollars of, of cuts, and obviously created incentives for the oil and gas business and things of that nature. Um, the economy is doing very well, obviously, right. and and so those are things you don't want to start messing with by by doing that, you know. But we do have to do the way we have to figure out the way the property property taxes have to get reduced. I mean, yeah. on the on the on the residential side right. for sure, because you're taxing people out of their homes. But cha chairman, you know what happened at the end of last session? At the end of last session, there was a proposal in the House that talked about yep. going to the voters with a property tax increase of greater than six percent. Right. In the Senate, it was 4%. Right. There was no way to bridge that. The thing died. Right. Get through the special session. There's no property tax legislation. And the governor comes back during the campaign season and says 2.5%. Right. If you right. couldn't pass yeah. that stuff before, honestly, how are you going to pass it now? Well, I think I th the, here's the difference. Same and, local officials no, 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 are going to no. complain about no, it. I, I completely understand. Let's start with the school districts, which is, makes the majority. That's where the focus is at now. Right. He's he's is my understanding. He's also talked about you know on the on the on the county side and everything else. But the seventy percent of your taxes are school taxes, driven driven school taxes. What we proposed in our school finance commission plan actually would work well with this. Uh, type of plan because we're talking about increasing the yield on the pennies on the tier two pennies specifically. We've got 399 school districts that are at a dollar 17 or higher. There's 450 school districts. There's roughly you know called 1,080 school districts that are out there. 450 are at a dollar four or higher, um, and so so that's the majority of you know they have a higher higher tax rate. So we if we can compress the tax rate, you can bring it down. You buy it down. Um, it gives them flexibility and meaning that the state is going to continue to contribute their their share of, of the budget, um, you know, unless you, and, and we've created incentives for the fast growth school districts as well. That's where part of the problem would initially would have rested last year is that we, we, we said, okay, there, there's your limit. You can't take advantage of this, but you're, you know, adding 1500 kids a year and, oh, figure out how to pay for it with less money. Right. That doesn't work. So, so we recognize that you have to have, again, it's part of the whole plan. Right. But as you know, the larger conversation, uh, about property tax relief last session turned to this idea that cities and counties are having to take on an increasing sure. share of providing basic services to right. re local residents. And what the state is proposing is essentially handcuffs on those yeah. elected officials saying you can't raise right. adequate revenue to do what you need to do without going to the voters. 
I know that that's accountability of a form, but elections are accountability, sure. Chairman. If you don't like what your council member does or your county commissioner does, you vote yeah. him out of office. That's right. the tradition. Right. Why do you need to put this additional set of handcuffs on? Yeah. I think that I think the, 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 what we've seen over the years, specifically on the residential side. Now, we, we had a little bit of a different issue uh, this last uh, year, and in, in certainly in Houston, uh, with Hurricane Harvey. Right. And we actually saw property taxes drop and, and valuations drop, and so created a different problem um, significantly, and created revenue uh, uh, problems uh, for the state because the state, you know, under the current situation, has to pick up the tab, pick up the difference associated with that. You know. I know that the, the, there will be people that um, are going to be engaged in this discussion, uh, whether it's through our Ways and Means Commission, uh, Speaker Bonin's going to be involved, um, talking about this and working with the governor on that. The plan that I went through, that we went through specifically for the School Finance Commission, just dealt with just dealt with the school part. school yeah. piece of it. But you again, you gotta you gotta put the money in the right places right. to make it work. As you read the room, you think there is more of a likelihood that this gets done. Something that could not get done, where it was a big point of contention. Clearly, yeah. at the end of the session, people's nerves were frayed. Sure. They were mad at one another. Yeah. House and Senate, Governor, yeah. we're starting fresh. Yeah. You think there's more of a chance of it getting done now? I do, and 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 the good news is is that. You know, we have a roadmap. Um, right. We know where we want to go, and 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 I understand. You know, whether you know, you know, I'm in charge or not, or whoever's going to be in the process. We're going to multiple people involved in yep. this this process as we go forward. Um, and and there will be things that they get added to the bill, obviously. But yeah, I, I really do. I feel like I feel like you know the the speaker has said you know that this is the most important thing to him. And, and and he means it. I He's mean, put a marker down, and the lieutenant governor and the governor, at least as of now, are singing from the same Absol book. Absolutely. And, right. you know, they, they had, you know, they, they're, they're meeting and they're talking and they're visiting. And, you know, Larry and I are talking and visiting. And and and, and, uh, um, and we did that all throughout last year in the commission. And, and you know, I think people are, are, are you know, and, and that's the number one question. People are asking, hey, what, what do you think? What are we going to do, you know? And so we're talking to new members and explaining. And at least now it's optimism. Absolutely. I was struck by something Chairman Brister said um, at TPPF, mm -hmm. at the Texas Public Policy Foundation Policy Orientation today, as we sit here January 9th. He said, related to the question of putting more money into public ed, mm -hmm. the main issue is whether we're spending money well, not whether we need to add to it. You yourself have said the answer is not always more money. Right. We go into this conversation assuming more money is right. an answer or the answer, but the reality is we need to almost think about it from the other side. That is, there are people who say, we're not giving any more money to public education until public education demonstrates to us right. that they can spend the money that they have now right. efficiently. So I guess my question is, does the education community ask too much of the state and not enough of themselves at a moment like this? Do they have something to demonstrate sure. to you in terms of their I, I, willingness to, to show that they can work in a system like this? I, I think that, you know, and, and what, what the, the chairman was speaking specifically about was the outcomes and what do we expect our, our kids, the 60 by 30 plans. We expect third graders to be able to read. That's a novel approach, huh? Um, we expect, you know, that we fund... And the numbers know, on that are terrible, oh, right? Yeah, the the third grade numbers are just oh, off. Oh, they're, the, horrible. they're horrible. Yeah, they're horrible. I mean, right. less than, you know, less than 40%. Right. I mean, that's just not sustainable. And so, so in early education, put, putting putting resources into that. So, his comment and a lot of the stuff that we worked on and worked with Todd Williams from Commit Dallas. Right. I mean, they've proven that it works. They, they went from forty uh, IR campuses in Dallas ISD to down to three. Yeah. 
in, in, in a very short period of time. I mean, it's just phenomenal work. I mean, what they, what they did was just very unique stuff. It's hard to do. It's hard to get people to commit to this kind of stuff. Right. And there's going to be a lot of skeptical people. But I'll tell you what, if I was a school board member or I was a superintendent and looking at the entirety of this plan, I'd figure out every single way to get these incentives. Uh, and yep. to figure out how to get the resources. Into so you think the education community will be willing to be held accountable because holding themselves and being held accountable is essentially the reward. Absolutely. Or produces the reward. Absolutely. At the yeah. other end. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we again, we, we were very collaborative through this process with these schools and the yeah. school districts and, and the variety of them. And we talked about a lot of different ideas and concepts. And, you know, we want them to be part of the process. We they, don't, they know this is coming. Yeah, we don't want to shove stuff down their throat. But at the same time, we're just not going to, you know, pump, you know, we're just not going to take $5 billion, say, put in the basic allotment and leave the current system. S see you at the Christmas yes, party. Yes, yes, yes. See you next time, right? right. Yes. That's not happening. That's not, you know, look. And this, in my view, is, should be, and, 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 and should be as bipartisan as possible. The report was unanimous from the commission, as you mentioned, right. we had Republicans and, and Democrats, Democrats right. and we all, you know, there's certain you things. You get Diego Bernal and Paul Betancourt on the same page, you've accomplished something. I, absolutely, 100%, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you mentioned a speaker. Speaker has uh, now apparently been uh, ordering cups yes. that are in the members' lounge yes. that say school finance reform the time is now. I was hoping you'd yes. bring me a sleeve oh, of yeah. cups <laughs> for our kitchen. Um, you take him at his word. Absolutely. Yeah. You know him well. You've been in there a long time. Of course, he's been in longer than a lot of people in the building now, but you know him for a long time. Yep. You take the governor and lieutenant governor at their word. I do. You did not necessarily have a rosy view of the other chamber or the other chamber's presiding officer at the end of last session. You know, I think I think that the perspective, your you know, you know, time heals time all, passes. Uh, time heals all wounds. You know, yeah. Governor Patrick and I have known each other a very very long time, uh, and and have you know uh, been. Uh, colleagues and collegial and, and whatnot, everybody and gets... Frankly, on issues, you tend to agree more than not. Oh, of course. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And we worked on major things together, like, you know, banning Common Core. That was a bill that he and I worked on together in the, in the 13th uh, legislative session. Right. You know, and, and what, I tell, what I reminded people was that, you know, the elections are over, now we have to govern. Yep. And we need to get along. And 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 I'm I'm very optimistic, obviously, um, with 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 our leader, uh, yep. Speaker Bonnet. You talked to him a lot in the interim. Did I, you I did. not about this? I did. Yeah. Absolutely. Before yeah. he knew, and you knew that he'd be speaking. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Right. And he was. He, he's always been an advocate for for education and for us, and talks about the issues. And and you know, he mentioned it the other day. Education's critical for him. You know, he was he, he was dyslexic. I'm dyslexic, and and does common right. common thread that we share. So it's it's probably not an exaggeration to say he felt saved by public education. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. and that's a, just a phenomenal story. And so, you know, and Larry, uh, Chairman Taylor, and I, you know, you know, been collaborative and working through this process. And, and I visited with Governor Patrick, and we've had nice conversations and talked about it. But, you know, that's, you know, I, to the degree that that's there, that becomes above my pay grade. Um, you know, and right. that's, a, that's a relationship that but I But from your perspective, it's a clean slate. You're willing to start Absolutely. Off, start oh, of course. Start yeah, absolutely. Year. And I think that's where everybody's right. at. I think yeah. that uh, you, can't, you can't go back and look at, in the rearview mirror, if you want to keep going forward, and yeah. so so we're 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 prepared to, to continue to work with them, right. um, you know, and that's what everybody said. Gosh, it's kumbaya, and I said, well, it's day one. Come talk to me in April. Yeah, you know? it's not going to be kumbaya. For, yeah, for, we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll run into we'll run into problems, and and yeah. and, and you know, and that's just the way the process. Do you works. think these last elections told leadership there's a political price to be paid for not getting it done this time? I think so. 
You Absolutely. Do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a lot of common threads. There was a lot of issues. You know, you, you had some, some, you know, rock starry type candidates that were out there um, that, uh, you know, it, it made a huge difference. I looked at some of the numbers, you know, the millennials voted. The younger people voted. Right. I mean, they came out and they people of color voted. They they everybody you know it, and, right. and and you know we turned out you know as Republicans we turned out as many people as we could possibly turn out. Uh, they and, just turned out more. Yeah, and the results just went there. I mean, you know, you lose you lose uh, Mike Schofield as an example um, on the on the west side of Not Harris. Not a lot County. of people saw that coming. No, no, we 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 didn't. You know, we 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 knew that we had problems here in Austin. You know, um, you knew you had problems in Dallas. We knew we had problems in Dallas. You know, and we 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 tried to you know help those guys. But I mean, you know, there, we couldn't have done anything to to help Tony or Paul. And those guys were very strong supporters. And of so you think you, you get education done, you have a chance to go back to the voters and say we did the business of the state. You don't get education done, they're not going to oh, give you another chance. There's, I, there's no doubt in my mind. Right. Yeah. Uh, and next yeah. session is redistricting, right? Um, so good Correct. luck with that. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. Quickly, will you be chair again? Uh, I serve at the pleasure of the speaker. That's not an answer, and you know it is not an answer. I serve at the pleasure of the speaker. You had a conversation with him about wanting to be chair again. Well, let me say it this way: Did you say to him, Mr. Speaker, I would like to be chair again? Um, uh, Speaker Bonner and I have had multiple conversations about a variety of issues, and um, looking forward, to, we get our preference cards today. And uh, so you fill I'll yours be, out. I'll be well, well. It's back at the office. I so hear I'll that Ways and Means needs a chairman. Did you I, ask to I, be that? I, no, 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 no. I did. No. I did, yeah. I did, yeah. I did yeah. not. But uh, you know, the, the beauty of. It's uh, not. It's not a possibility. There's no possibility that you, uh, or you're not thinking you won't be. You just don't know that you will be. I well, I, I need to be selected to be on the committee first, and so you know, I'm going to you know use my preferences to to do that. I've spent a lot of time. And you will uh, indicate at least you can tell yeah, me. Yeah, I'd like indicate to be. I'd like to, to, be back I'd like on. to be involved in the process. And he's he's been uh, he's been very good. Um, yeah. You know, with members, he's a. That's the thing about Speaker Bonner. He he is a members member, and he's driving. The train, as we call it. Of course, it. Speaker Strauss used to say, I, I govern the House by the will of the members. Absolutely. He would describe himself in that same Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, as you know, it's, it, you know, it, it, we've had to change the guard, and Speaker Strauss was, was very gracious and kind to me and, and uh, very wanted. Believed bump. in what you did. Absolutely. He's, yeah. but he, he's been a huge, he was a huge supporter. And so, and so was, and so was at the time, Speaker Pro Tem Bonin was a huge supporter of what we were doing and right. per, me personally. And so I think that uh, the, the beauty of it is, is that. I've been asked this question a lot, and I tell people, and this is the honest truth: I serve, I serve in a capacity where he wants me, and put me in wherever you want to put, coach. Put me where you want me to to work hardest yeah. and get things done. But I know that based on the work that I've done, and certainly Ken King, uh, Diego Burnell, on the House side that have been working hard on this, is that you know people uh, that understand this because they it's it's complex, and 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 most people didn't pay attention to what we did. You know, we yeah. had forty meetings. I mean, right. people don't have time to pay attention to that stuff. So part of it is educating everybody as we go forward. And uh, I think there'll be yeah. multiple people that would have opportunities. Um, we expanded the committee. We took it from 11 to 13. Uh, so more people will have a, a seat at the table. Well, it's a good get if you're a member. Yeah. That's yeah. how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, last year, last thing I want to ask you, last year when I interviewed you, last time I interviewed you, let me say at the beginning of the last sure. legislative session, so about two years ago, yeah. you cautioned everybody in the audience, cautioned me, we're not going to fix this problem in one session. Right. This is where you are now. Rome right. cannot be built in one day. That's right. So we shouldn't go into the session, even with all the optimism, optimism in the world, and believe we're going to solve the problem in one session. Well, the difference between last year and this year, uh, I think, is, is twofold. Number one, we did some nip and tuck around the edges. This time is holistic change. Um, it's going to be significant. 
It's going to be significant changes. Um, but anytime you, you pass a significant large piece of legislation, you always find holes uh, after it gets implemented, as an example. So my suspicion will be is that the, 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 the recommendations, there were over 30 recommendations, if you plugged all those things in, not everything's going to work perfectly, right? So you're going to come back and try and try and do that. But this is the time to have the major conversation about what this is going to look like for the next 20 to 30 years. And I really believe, based on the conversations that um, I've had with Speaker Bonin and his leadership team, um, staff, our staff, the governor, he even said it yesterday, and I'm sure at the state of the state he'll bring this up again, um, is that, and, and certainly the lieutenant governor, I'm sure in his remarks, he, will, he has been saying the same thing. The expectation is, is that for the members to, to fix this and to come up with a plan. And it's going to be hard. Um, but last session, we had, you know, 133 people vote for it. Uh, I, I think that we'll come up with something that, you know, the, the goal would be is that everybody would vote for it. I, right. mean, I, I would think that it would be a horrible vote to say, no, I'm, I'm against this one little thing, so I'm not going to vote for, 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 for the plan. But uh, as you know, legislation like this takes a life of its own once it hits the floor, too. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Mr. Chairman or Mr. Chairman for now. Yes. Uh, thank you for being here. You bet. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to Point of Order, the newest member of the Texas Tribune's family of podcasts. Thanks to our guest, State Representative Dan Huberty, and thanks to the sponsors of this episode, Educate Texas, the Texas Education Grantmakers Advocacy Consortium, and Raise Your Hand Texas. Be sure to check out the Tribune's deep coverage of the 86th legislative session at texastribune.org. And if you like what you see there or hear here, tell your friends about us. Until next time, I'm Evan Smith. Thank you.